This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast with me, your host, Patrick Smith. We're here to bring you all of the latest Liverpool FC news, topics and hopefully a bit of that Friday feeling as Liverpool prepare for a massive match this weekend in the form of a trip to high-flying Newcastle United. There's plenty for us to get stuck into ahead of a crucial fixture for the Reds this weekend. So join me once again and my esteemed Liverpool Echo colleagues. Up first, we have Ian Doyle. Doyle, are you looking forward to the trip to Newcastle? No. <laughs> yep, short, sweet, to the point, as ever, Doyle, lovely stuff. We've also got Theo Squires on the panel. Theo, for our audio listeners, please describe your attire because it looks like you've just returned from a round of golf or, as Ian Doyle was saying, off a, a chessboard. Yeah. <laughs> uh- it wouldn't be so bad if we we're doing these in person, but now I can see how it looks on the, the Zoom video call. And it sort of resembles a 90s goalkeeping jersey a little bit, doesn't it? When you see those gold panels, the diamonds. Um, but yeah, I've stuck with it now. Dordie's had a few hours to come up with that uh, gag as he saw us at the press conference. Which, which has been taken off me already by, by Patrick, who decided just to go in and... You gave um, such a short answer, Dordie, before. I thought I'd speak for you. Oh, that's not very nice. Well, if we're going to do the podcast like that, then you're going to answer for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll just get off now, shall I? Yeah. Uh, they've gone to my head and I've done five shows and now I'm taking all the power from it. But anyway, Theo, lovely jump. I'm sure Adidas will rip it off for a retro goalkeeper jersey soon. Well, rounding off the panel, we've got our Echo Ray of Sunshine, Rich Garnet. You ready to spread some positivity today? I certainly am, Pat. I'm very impressed with Theo's new sponsorship deal with Pringle. Uh, looking forward to seeing a, a few different colours as the seasons change over the next few weeks and, and with it, hopefully, an upturn in Liverpool's fortunes. Yeah, he started strong, Theo. We're going to need to see some more powerful jumpers, I'll say, throughout the rest of the season. Anyway, that's his on the show, everyone. Let's get straight into it then, the real stuff. Dolly, before we preview the Newcastle clash, there's been some positives this week for Liverpool, injury-wise. Um, we'll start with the news. Luis Diaz, he's been allowed back outside, hasn't he, for the first time in four months. He's been a huge miss for Liverpool, hasn't he? He has. I mean, let's get it right. He's still a little bit away from actually, you know, playing. So I wouldn't get too excited, which, you know, as is my want anyway. I think of more more interest is is what happened on Monday. It's seen Virgil van Dijk, Roberto Firmino and Diogo Jota on the bench. So obviously you saw Jota and Firmino get on. I don't think either of them are near to a start either. And even against Real Madrid uh, next week, I suspect, because they've been out. For a certain amount of time, I would imagine that they'd be on the bench at best. But it was interesting that they actually got on. Jota looked like someone who hadn't played since uh, October and hasn't played much since July, to be honest. Firmino, a bit different. He's been out since, what was it, just uh, just before Christmas, before they came back into action. So, what's that, about eight weeks? So, it's not an insignificant amount of time he's been out, but it's certainly not been as long as Jota over a longer period of time. Um, with Van Dijk, Klopp said today, he says he's ready to start. And obviously, it's centre-back. It's not a place where you normally just bring people on for the sake of it to get minutes. Certainly in a, in a derby where the, you know, Liverpool were dominant, as, as I'm sure you discussed in the pod earlier this week. But you don't want to give any chances, give any anything away. So no need to disrupt the back line. So during the course of the game, at least. But we'll be interested to see whether Van Dijk comes in against Newcastle. But Jurgen Klopp has said that he's available to do that. And that's obviously going to be a bonus. And one thing that <clears throat> was evident on Monday is the people who weren't there. No, Arthur Mello, he's back training and uh, took a while to recognise who he was in the training pictures, to be honest. But he's back training. But again, he's going to be a while away from being involved. But Fabio Cavallio, Curtis Jones, Alex Oxlade-Chamber didn't make the bench against Everton. 
So Liverpool have suddenly got quite a few options in, in, in positions that perhaps they didn't have at, uh, when they came back from the World Cup because of the, the injuries, certainly to the forward line. You said there was three of them missing. So it's looking a bit better. Uh, and just as, to be honest, just as just as encouragingly as, again, you, you, you mentioned earlier this week, is the fact that Liverpool appear to have got two other players back in Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. They've been players who've needed a bit of a break, whether they liked it or not. And Klopp today said that Fabinho had his, his best game in a very long time for Liverpool against Everton, and that wasn't too particularly difficult, to be honest. Um, Jordan Henderson got got praise as well. And we know what Stefan you know, Baketic can do uh, from what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. So things are looking better for Liverpool, but I wouldn't get too carried away yet because it's still it's only one game and it's against a team. And I know Liverpool have struggled against relegation-threatened teams already this season, but Everton are one of those. They won it at home. Obviously, there's all the emotion and everything that goes around playing a derby, but that Liverpool were able to win and also get some players back on the pitch and get in minutes. There was a lot of encouragement. And after weeks and weeks and weeks of negativity, it it made a change for, you know, your Liverpool fans always like it when they've got, you know, they've got the local bragging rights, trademark, copyright, all that kind of stuff that you say about these games against Everton. But just generally speaking, they were just they were in a bit of a, a happier place because Liverpool had won a game and there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel. You can see where they're heading for. You can see rather than more players being out, there are a lot more players coming back. And suddenly there's going to be a competition for places, which I think people often don't realise that if you know you're going to be playing week in, week out, when things start going wrong, it's not quite as, mot- you know, you're not quite as motivated as you would be if somebody's, you know, standing behind you trying to make your place, basically. Now, Liverpool have got that all the way through the team and hopefully that'll reflect in improved performances. Yeah, that's the key takeaway from it, I think, isn't it, Fee? I mean, obviously, we've got our team selector later on the show, so we don't want to give away too many hints. But, you know, Klopp was saying in his press conference that Liverpool have missed having these options. I mean, it's such a simple thing, having a choice between, you know, four or five attackers, not a three, as Dolly said, because they almost know they're not going to get dropped. I mean, you know, Jota and Firmino are providing a huge boost with their returns, aren't they? Yeah, Liverpool do need that depth. There's been too many times in recent weeks where games haven't been gone their, going their way and you look to the bench going, who can come on and get you a goal? Who can change this? And there just hasn't been the options there that can do that. And when you were talking about these two forwards in particular, they're players that are so in tune with how Liverpool play. Firmino's been there since the very beginning. Jota came in, was bedded in pretty quickly, if we're honest, and just seemed to get how Liverpool play. Um they probably, without injuries, would have started a lot more games this season, especially at, say, Nunez's expense, and Gappo wouldn't have been thrown in the deep end as much because that familiarity would help Liverpool, having the players that know what Jurgen wants, uh, Klopp wants from them and can meet those demands. Instead, you've just had to throw Gappo in at the deep end and expect him to power through, expect Nunez to power through. And I think there's some quotes from him this week where he's saying he's still learning how Liverpool play and getting on tunes with the rest of his teammates. But when we saw Liverpool nearly win the quadruple last season, it was because they had this massive strength and depth. We had so many, like it was four or five key players that weren't making match day squads when it was cup finals or these other big games. Um, was it like Naby Keita was benched for the League Cup final and only started because of uh, Thiago getting injured in the warm-up? You were seeing games where Joe Gomez wasn't in the squad, where Curtis Jones wasn't in the squad. Oxley chamberlain didn't play, I think, after like March, did he, against Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup? That depth helps. Like Liverpool were miles off the 
pace, not off the pace, but miles behind Manchester City on points when you think of the halfway point last season. Then they suddenly had everyone fit. It gave the players a boost. Klopp could rotate his side. Everyone was on their toes and it just carried them through straight until the end of the season. They need something similar to um, now for the next few months. Like, even though we're in mid-February, there's still a similar amount of football left to be played. And it's just a big boost to have players back from injury. And you're hoping that they can, I suppose, balance out the load so you're not putting so much stress, uh, strain on some players. Like, it's no coincidence that Thiago, I think he started all 10 of Liverpool's games since the World Cup. He started 14 out of 15, with the only one he didn't being Derby County in the League Cup. He, he then goes against an injury because there weren't the players that really could rotate with him in midfield with players dropping off. So that, that's another sign of how much difference it does make when you've got those options there, that you can rotate it and that everyone is on their toes, hopefully getting back to top form. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, absolutely. And that energy and pressing from the front is another thing as well, because not only is there the option of rotating players, you know, to, for attacking benefit, you can also keep up that high intense counter press because players, you know, now will only need to play 60 minutes and they can come off rather than having to sort of conserve their energy as such for the 90 minutes. And that's such an important point there as well. I mean, Rich, another huge positive from the training ground of from the pitch as well. We saw Van Dijk on the bench against Everton, as I said on Monday's pod. His early involvement was, you know, getting involved with the scraps shall we say. But I mean, Klopp's hinted today he's going to be back and ready to start. Colossal addition for a colossal tie, isn't it? Yeah, and it couldn't have come at a more important time, I don't think, because as uh, as pleasing as Liverpool's victory against Everton was on Monday, it wasn't a very good Everton side, let's be honest. There's a reason why they've been struggling down the bottom, and, and that was despite um, concerns that I might have had about them after they um, played excellent against Arsenal and, and got a uh, surprise win. It's almost like they reverted back to type against Liverpool. So uh, I'm I, I'm not getting carried away with, with what happened there. And I just feel like, I know we said that you, there might not necessarily be, be the need to rush Van Dijk straight back in. But it, if he is fit, I would put him straight back in, to be honest with you. Just think Liverpool's record um, with and without Van Dijk points to having a uh, start in a game of this magnitude. And in recent weeks, I've been moaning about a lack of uh, leadership and uh, authority through the side. And obviously, he brings that in spades. So I would like to see him straight back in. But it's good news that he's available, but also that you've got other um, big characters like Firmino and Jota at the other end of the pitch as well, coming and back in. And they, they, maybe they won't go straight back in. Maybe they will. We'll have to wait and see. But um, purely having those options now, more leaders, um, people who can boss the pitch a bit more, it's, it's a good sign. Yeah, all will be revealed in the team selector later. Don't give too much away yet, Rich. Um, yeah. Doyle, I'll come to you again, though, on Calvin Ramsey. Klopp confirming today that he's had surgery. I think we already knew anyway from his Instagram post, obviously in the hospital bed. But terrible news for him, isn't it? Not been the ideal start, but pretty promising comments. A nice little lengthy comment from Klopp in the press conference today, wasn't it? 
Well, he's not going to say anything different, is he? Let's be honest. He's just he signed the player, and <clears throat> what was it within a week or a couple? Of, well, in fact, it was during his medical, wasn't it? So before he'd actually officially signed, this historic back problem is unearthed. So he has to sort that out. Gets that sorted, comes back, picks up an injury, comes back, then picks up another injury that's more or less. Well, it's ended his season. Klopp said that, look, even if we could get him back before the end, there's no point. So he's essentially lost the first year of his Liverpool career, but we won't expect to see too much of him anyway. <laughs> Probably expect to see a bit more than we have seen. I think he's made one start, hasn't he? And a substitute appearance, possibly another one. Or is it just two? I think that might just be it. Certainly Napoli and Derby are the two games that spring to mind. And um, it's unfortunate for him, but as Jurgen Klopp said, he's still a young lad. He's got an awful long way to go. He'll probably get another... 16, 17 years out of his career. And if you're going to have problems like this, it's better having them at the start than the, in the middle or towards the end. Uh, now, you might not probably see it that way, but Klopp, obviously, you know, they've got Liverpool got a lot of faith in him. They see him as someone who can challenge Trent Alexander-Arnold in that position over future years. That's why they bought him as, you know, bought him as a teenager. And um, he'll be able to get a good summer under his belt and he, he knows exactly what it's all about. So uh, that that... You know, he could be like a new signing next season, as they say, as they don't like us saying. But he actually, he genuinely will be, you know what I mean? Because he just hasn't been involved at all this season. So, uh, yeah, good good comments from Jurgen Klopp. That'll both of them. And also, Klopp said some nice stuff about Carvalho as well, didn't he? Where he said more or less the same yeah. thing. Look, he's a young lad. He's getting, he, he's just getting up on, you know, he's he not played much Premier League football. In fact, he plays like four games or something. Something very, very minimal amount of exposure at this level. And it's a big step up, such for young players. It's a step up for players who come out of the championship at any age, players who come out from some of the, you know, the top leagues in, in Europe coming into the Premier League. You've seen, you know, internationals come in and then they've struggled for a bit. You know, we mentioned before about Darwin Nunes and players like that, so Cody Gakpo. Now, these are very good footballers who have proven at certain levels and there is always a step up at some point. And that's what Carvalho's experience at the moment. He, he, he wasn't involved against... Um, it wasn't involved against uh, against Everton on Monday, as we said. You know, he's one of the few players who, who, who couldn't even get into the squad. So, yeah, I think for Carvalho, because we've seen a lot more of him, and of course he scored the winner against Newcastle in the respective game at Anfield back in August. Probably no, he probably won't be in the squad unless some other people get injured in the meantime. That's just the way it is at the moment. And you know, I think I think Jurgen Klopp knows what the player can do, just the same way he knows what Calvin Ramsey can do. That's why they were both bought in the summer and they weren't bought for this season. They were bought for next season, the one after that and the one after that. And hopefully for them, the ones after that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I thought you were going to jump in there. Because yourself, you've seen Calvin Ramsey play multiple times, haven't you, for the youth sides. I mean, do you think he can be that backup right back to Trent Alexander-Arnold? Do you think he is at that level, you know, in the smatterings you've seen of him for the youth sides? Um, it's hard to judge him entirely on these youth games because it is a different level. Like... Klopp said in with his comments today that he asked Ramsey, how often have you felt like like yourself felt well? He's not often, never was Klopp's response to that. So we haven't seen the best of Calvin Ramsey yet, but youth football seems a bit easy for him. Like, like I saw him score, I think it was either his first game for the under-21s or his second game against Accrington Stanley in the Papa John's Trophy. And that's one where all the professional footballers, but he's had a full season playing in Scotland, competing for European places with Aberdeen. He's a talented youngster, but he's a full Scotland international as well. When um, Liverpool signed him, uh, the word from the club was Klopp and Linders saw him as a right back who can play exactly how they want their right backs to play. And he is this 
long-term investment, which Doyley's just pretty much alluded to and Klopp did as well with the, the 16, 17 years comment. Um, he's just in this tricky situation where you've still got Trent Alexander-Arnold ahead of you in the pecking order. It's like how much game time are you really going to get from there? But at the same time, we've seen James Milner turn to it right back and Joe Gomez. You'd like to think as other players get older or Milner moves on, there's openings for Ramsey there. He's still only a teenager. And Simicass, it took him a while to get many minutes on the, the opposing flank when he was a, a much more experienced player. And then at the end of his second season, he's scoring the winning penalty in a, an FA Cup final. So there's still plenty there to show that Ramsey can live up to these predictions and why Liverpool do value him so highly and why they were so confident to sign him. But from the, the youth games, we've seen him. He's a really confident attacking fullback. He loves to get up and line. He's good with the ball at his feet and cut inside, beat a man, get crosses in. Uh, there's also been a very controversial red card where I don't think he even touched the player that he was perceived to have fouled. And that was when Jurgen Klopp was watching on. So even then, that's a, a game where it's not gone his way, has it? Like all these injuries, he had one chance for 21s where Klopp's watching him to make an impact and he was sent off after like 15, 20 minutes. But he goes again now. This is a, a fresh start for him. He'll have a full pre-season. Milner's maybe retired or moved on or his game time, if he stays, is certainly going to be less next year. Uh, Ramsey can stake his claim. If he was a bit older, he probably would have played more this year considering Trent's form. But he's a work in pro, uh, progress, and we'll see more of that in the years to come. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, his play style, as you mentioned, is freakishly similar to Trent's as well. And you know, the attacking style, overlapping, good pass from the ball. It's really bizarre. They also got an exact mould of Trent Alexander-Arnold for his backup. But Rich, as Dolly mentioned before about Fabio Cavallo, nice little mention from Klopp in the press conference today. I mean, both him and Harvey Elliott, I'm going to mention because Elliott particularly been playing pretty well recently in Liverpool's attack on the wing. Now, obviously, with the numbers coming back from injury, Jota and Firmino back, Diaz will be back in March. Do you think he's got any chance of, you know, keeping that attacking role as a back at capacity? Or will he have to slot back into the midfield, do you think? Because people have been critical of Harvey Elliott in that midfield role, haven't they? Yeah, it's a tricky one because I've been critical of him in that role in terms of I think he works really hard and there's no question in his application. I just think he's struggled to be able to sort of create any sort of end product out of the uh, considerable effort that he's put in. And I did raise a few eyebrows when he moved to that uh, sort of left attacking position. Then he got a goal, of course, and then found himself out the side straight after that, uh, which I thought was a little bit harsh. But obviously, Cody Gapko's off the mark now. And you've got um, two senior players in Jota and Firmino back in the fold. It's quite difficult to see where Harvey Alec would fit into that front three for me with, with, with those sort of plays available. And obviously, Diaz to come back as well. So he, he may find himself back in amongst the uh, the midfield trio, assuming we're uh, sticking with a 4-3-3 here, as uh, Klopp generally likes to do. Um, and he, he will have to see where his opportunities are. And I think on Monday, Liverpool's midfield looked a lot more functional than it has done. Uh, at, at most points this season, had a slightly different uh, makeup to it. But I do think if you can get the fullbacks firing as as they seem to on Monday, then that role in the midfield uh, becomes more about you know putting the yards in and 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 breaking up play and, and letting those up more attacking players do what they do best. And I do think Harvey Elliott's capable of doing that. It's just a case of waiting for his opportunity now. But but you know what, just being fit and being available. Uh, are going to be two things that'll be very much in his um, 
in his favour. He's a cracking lad. He wants to learn. Um, he's got time on his side. You know, what his actual position is, <laughs> I'm still not 100% sure. I, I just know that, he, you know, he's got ability and we need to try and find ways of of um, getting the best out of him. Sometimes he pays the, uh, a few wayward passes. I think uh, Bajasic has been uh, guilty of doing that as well at times, but, he's, you know, he's kind of been counteracted by all the other things that he's done on the pitch and and, and also playing some impressive balls as well. Um, so it's not that dissimilar to him in that respect. But he'll just have to, uh, to keep plugging away, and and you don't know uh, who's going to get injured next. To you know, judging by how this season's gone so far, another bad injury might only be around the corner. Touch with them. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But oh, you know, Rich, why we said that? <laughs> well, look, if, you, if you're playing probabilities, that, yeah. that's that's where we've been, isn't it? And it, it would be a bit fanciful, I think, to to assume that uh, Liverpool's injury problems are just about to go away. Um, but yeah keep himself available and, and and on the fringes of things. And it only takes you to do something uh, something big or, or notable in a game like Batisic has, like Gapko did on Monday, and things can turn around very quickly for you. Yeah. Important to remember as well, Harvey Elliott is only still 19. I mean, he's so young. And he's done a job when he's had to play this season because of the injuries, as we mentioned. And it's nice that Liverpool are now in this sort of luxurious position, you could say, with the amount of options they'll now have in attack and in midfield. It's nice to be back in that situation. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, Dolly, let's move on then to Newcastle. You said at the top of the show you weren't exactly looking forward to the trip. It's a bit of a long one for you, isn't it? But how about on the pitch? I mean, are you optimistic that Liverpool can go there and get a result? I think the thing about Newcastle is always further than you think it is. You get up to yeah. like Teesside and you think, oh, we're nearly there. And it's like, oh, no, it's another 45 minutes. So no, Middlesbrough's nowhere near Newcastle. Whereas Sunderland's right next to it. This is just like a geography quiz podcast now, isn't it? Basically, this is the uh, North East of, geography yeah, special, everyone. Where does the North East start, Doily? I, I don't know. It's a it's a loaded and thorny subject, isn't it, Theo? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking about we were talking about Middlesbrough the other day, weren't we? I would yeah. actually actually in Yorkshire, isn't it's it? It's Yorkshire, isn't it? Yeah, technically, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Old school Yorkshire, same way Liverpool's in Lancashire. You can't mm. say that. Can't say that anymore. Anyway, right, back to the question. On the pitch, interesting one, because if, you, if you'd have said a month ago, you'd have gone, oh, I'm not looking forward to this. But Newcastle, a couple of things. One, they've got a rather large game coming up next week. It's their first final in quite some time, and it's you know it could be the, they've got a chance of winning their first major honour since since Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. That's how long ago it was. It's, it's, it's before I was even born. That's how long ago it is, 1969. Um they won the a competition that doesn't exist anymore, the Intercity First Cup. Uh, they've been to some finals since then. I'm trying to remember when the last one was. It's the last final, the 98 Cup final. No, 99, sorry. 99. The last one. 99 won against, that was United, wasn't it? Before I was final. born, Doily. Yeah. Um, so it's been a long time for Newcastle. Um, anyway, so that could be a distraction for them. But also, because the squad, for whatever reason, they've not really rotated that much. They found that an awful lot of their players have played even more minutes than Liverpool's players or getting on towards that. And uh, you start to see the effect of it. Uh, you've seen they've, they've, they've always, I think, always they struggled. They've been very hard to beat, but this season, I think they've always struggled for goals. And while they've only lost one game in the Premier League this season, which obviously was the one at Anfield in the very last minute uh, of injury time, they haven't, they haven't won loads of games and they've started drawing quite a few recently. In fact, was it West Ham that they drew with last week? I can't remember. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah. yeah. So they drew, they, 
Bournemouth, that's it, yeah, that's it, sorry, West Ham was the week before. Well, the fact that they're all just a lot of draws, basically, and quite a few of them at home as well. I think they drew with Leeds, didn't they, Crystal Palace, I think. They drew, they've drawn with, I've certainly drew with Leeds at home, I remember that. So, I think for them, they've possibly done a bit better than they thought they were going to this season. Like you said at the start of the season to Newcastle, you're going to be competing in the top four for most of the season, you're going to get to a cup final, you'll be like, brilliant. But because they started so well, People are looking at them slightly differently and it's kind of counting against them. And I think Liverpool won't make the mistake possibly that some teams did earlier in the season. Teams now look at certainly approaching Newcastle games differently to see them as a threat and a plan and accordingly. I think Liverpool will will do that. Um, but in the knowledge that I think that it's, a, it's not a must-win game for Liverpool, but it's a can't-lose one. If Liverpool lose, even with 15, 16 games to go, they'd be what? 12 points behind? With a, admittedly with a game in hand, but the game in hand is against Chelsea away, which is always a tough one for Liverpool. Even Wolves. though, no, the, everybody's game in hand's that though, isn't it? That's everybody. I'm I thought Chelsea was that one. I've ever my dog. Um, the Chelsea game was the one that was called off because of the Queen dying the second the weekend, the second weekend because of the funeral. So United Leeds. United Leeds. Yeah, you, no, that was the. Oh, Anyway, the point being, they've still got a game in hand, whoever it's against, right? <laughs> We've got a game in hand. And um, I think 12 points will be too much, even for Liverpool. I think Newcastle the target for Liverpool. I think City are going to win the league now, I think. Well, I thought the whole season anyway. Arsenal will probably finish second. United would be amazed if they don't finish in the top three, could even get second place. Um, so it's aiming for that fourth place. Newcastle at the moment, Tottenham will harbour ambitions. Brighton should as well, by the way. And Chelsea will as well. They'll think they can come on strong. So there's quite a lot of teams going for that. But in the weird position now where most of the league will be wanting Liverpool to win on a, on, on Saturday, which is not something you say you say too often. Um, certainly like about five or six teams will be wanting that. So it's a big game. It's, uh, I, I think Gomares is not playing, is he? The midfielder. Right, still suspended, yeah. He's still suspended. He didn't play in the first game either. He was injured that game. So... Bit lucky for Liverpool in that respect. Liverpool haven't had a lot of, say, fortune in terms of availability of other teams' players. Sometimes you can, you know, the way fixture list can sometimes be is that you can come up against teams who are missing their best players for that particular week, and now that's slightly fortunate. You know, it, it tends to even itself out a little bit. But Liverpool against Newcastle clearly had two pieces of it because Newcastle's best players not been available for both of them. So they have to take advantage of that. They have to take the momentum they got against uh, against Everton, and kind of just prey on that thought that Newcastle might be a little bit distracted, might be a little bit tired, might just have in the back of their mind, well, we've got this massive game coming up. Liverpool are used to that. And I think um, I think Eddie Howe might have said it, or someone someone said it this week, that I think it could, could even be Danburn. I can't remember which one it was, but somebody up at Newcastle said, look, for Liverpool, they've got this big Champions League game coming up on Tuesday, but they're used to it. They're used to playing a big game every four days, whereas Newcastle aren't, and their games not won't be for another eight days after this mm. one. So I think that could help Liverpool. But of course, the, the, the other way around is Newcastle go, we've got this massive game coming up. Not everybody's got a ticket for it. Let's go out with a massive bang and take and make sure we win going into this final. So it could go either way. But I would probably hazard a guess that Newcastle's probably would be a little bit worried of the big game coming up because nobody wants to miss out on that one. Nobody wants to miss the final, especially when you Newcastle haven't been there for 24 years. Yeah, it'll be their first trip to the new Wembley as well. They've not been there, obviously, the whole time that's been there. No, they're not. Me and Theo went about three times in about April and May last year. I know. It felt like it. We were always going there. 
I can't remember the other teams, but there's about five or six teams. Most of them are in the you know the lower end of the football league, and Newcastle and one of them have not been to New Wembley until obviously next Sunday. But I mean, Theo, do you agree? Do you think there were you know to use a cliche one eye on the final, and also for their top four hopes? I mean, it's going to be a difficult end to the season. It always is for teams that can start well, but it proves a good team, doesn't it? If you can carry that on into the second half and keep that top four place, because a Liverpool win would really kick the race for the top four open, wouldn't it? Well, it is. Well, Liverpool could potentially be level on points with Newcastle in the space of a couple of weeks because yeah. with that League Cup final, Newcastle don't play. And Liverpool have got two games that week because they've got Wolves as well. So Liverpool could make up those nine points very, very quickly and then confidence is going to be knocked. I think Newcastle, I'm not going to say Liverpool will get top four because I think that's still very much up in the air. Uh, Everton could be a turning point or it could just be another false dawn. I do think that there's enough teams there that Newcastle might drop out of the top four. Like Tottenham will be ready there to pounce if this opportunity comes up. And it just feels like Newcastle were a Leicester this year. Like they'll be challenging for top four, but they've also got their eyes on a, bit, a, a trophy. And the squad, it, it's not a Champions League squad yet. Like I know they've got the finances to go and sign whoever they want, but Klopp praised them for not actually going and signing. Here's 12 new signings for just adding to what they already had. It is a gradual steps. Like realistically, for Newcastle, a couple of years in Europa League, then you make that next step. It's like what City did originally when they were taken over. They have got some really good players, but then they've still got some average players who are bottom half of the Premier League. And Eddie Howe has just got them to these new standards and the higher quality of player alongside him has got them to these new standards. But to give context on the draws, if Liverpool win tomorrow, Liverpool and Newcastle have won the same amount of league games this year as 10. And that's ridiculous considering how Liverpool's season has felt and how Newcastle's season has felt. They are a good team. They have got good individual players. Eddie Howe has proven himself to be a good manager, but it still feels like that's step too soon for them. They don't have the know-how as Doyle's just referenced. Uh, we've seen Leicester when they had the, the FA Cup run. You knew as soon as they went all the way in the FA Cup, it was going to be a massive distraction. They were going to drop off and they weren't going to finish in the top four. And Liverpool were there to pick up the pieces and sneak in. You'd like to think Liverpool can do it again now. The only thing that is the issue here is they've got so many teams ahead of them trying to do the same thing. And they've also got Chelsea breathing down the necks. But so much football still to be played. If Newcastle make a slip up, Liverpool hopefully will be there to pounce. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it's just such a massive, massive opportunity, isn't it? And, you know, we've spoken about the optimism the returning injured players has had. And if Liverpool win this game, I mean, you know, it's going to be such an optimistic springtime for them, isn't it? They could really, really, you know, get themselves into the top four within the space of two weeks there. It's crazy, isn't it? And everyone's praising Newcastle for their amazing season. And obviously, Liverpool are probably the talk of the season for being terrible. I mean, it's baffling that they could be in that position. But, Rich, just to bring it back around to the transfers point there that Klopp made in his press conference... You know, he praised that non-scattergun approach. Now, lots of Liverpool fans want Liverpool to spend like that this summer. But are any how's Newcastle sort of making the case that a good coach can make not-so-good players better, for want of better words? <laughs> um, I think it makes a case that Eddie Howe's a good manager and, and knows how to get the best out of the players at his disposal. But I don't think we should be uh, hoodwinked into thinking that Newcastle aren't about to spend a large amount of money because I think that... Uh, that moment is coming and they've been um, careful about it, shall we say, up to this point. They haven't gone uh, on any sort of Chelsea mad spending spree or 
or signing Rubino the same day you buy Manchester City style madness. There's, there's been none of that with Newcastle, but they've got uh, a lot of money. And if they need to go into the transfer market and buy big players, they're going to be able to do that, aren't they? As long as they stay within the uh, financial fair play rules, whatever they are. Um, so it's tricky, isn't it? I, I think Jürgen Klopp's proven over um, a number of years now that if he has the right type of player, regardless of how much they cost or where they came from and they buy into his philosophy, he can turn them into a, uh, a moving part in a, in a bigger monster of a machine. And, and he's done that successfully with so many players that have gone on to become, to become big stars and household names. How long can you keep doing that for? That's the question, isn't it? We're in a, we're in a period now um, where Liverpool haven't done as well. There's been a lot of scrutiny under um, the ownership of the club for wh- whether they should have strengthened at, at different points. I think it's undeniable they probably should have uh, in certain areas of the picture at, at points and, and, and have probably got away with it to, to a degree at certain times. And I don't know how long you can carry on um, using that same sort of operating model that they have done. I, you can probably do it a bit, but, you know, not indefinitely. And, of course, they have, they have spent money when they on occasions of players like Van Dyke and, uh, and Allison and, and Nunes this year. But if you don't get the instant return on it, people start asking the questions and say, you're not, you're not doing enough of it. But, yeah, I wouldn't, don't, be, uh, don't be misled by uh, Newcastle's... Um, frugal approach so far it's, it's not going to last uh things are going to change there but if, if i can just t- touch on newcastle um and the game tomorrow they've drawn the last three and they've got a cup final coming up so it doesn't feel like a bad time to be playing them it feels like a good time to be going there but of course liverpool haven't won away since boxing day they've been battered in all their away games since then in, in the league um and the last time these two clubs played it was settled with a 98th minute winner, winner, which ended with a big ruck on the sideline um, and some very disgruntled Newcastle fans who, uh, I might remind you, have only lost one game all season and it was that game. So I'm, I'm expecting Liverpool to get a bit of a hostile reception when they go there tomorrow. I think the players will be banged up to it and they want to try and put that right. Whether they uh, are suitably focused enough to do that rather than keeping an eye on a forthcoming cup final. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, either way, it's intriguing. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, let's hope no more bottles are thrown, shall we? But yeah, massive opportunity for Liverpool, as we said, and hopefully they can go there and get the three points and really chase down the top four. And with that, we'll pick our team selector then for the visit to Newcastle. Doyley, We'll come to you first. Alison Becker, as ever, will be between the sticks. But for once, we've actually got quite a lot to talk about in this team selector, haven't we? So if you want to talk us through your back four. Yeah, well, it's straightforward, isn't it? Van Dijk will come in, probably for Matip. Gomez had a good game against um, Everton, so there's no reason. For, you know, he, he, he probably has earned the place there, basically, on form. And it's Robertson left-back and Alexander Arnold right-back. Nice and simple, Theo. Is there a case for resting Van Dijk for Real Madrid, or are you throwing him straight back in? Why would you rest him when he's had a month off? I know it's been rehab, but uh, you don't want to throw him in cold against Real Madrid. He needs a, a game to get back to some sort of level. Where we saw, a mis- not mistake, but Liverpool last year for the Champions League final, they had a number of, number of players. They rushed back from injury. We think Fabinho, Salah, though he came on in the last day against Wolves, 
I think Van Dijk was an unused substitute for that one. And Thiago had pain-killing injections and Liverpool weren't at their best in that final. Uh, fortunately, the players are back from injury are back a bit sooner now, so you can give them minutes to get them ready for these games. And even if they're not 100% to start or whatever at Anfield against Real Madrid next week, they will be for the second leg in the Bernabeu. So obviously you start Van Dijk for this one. He's had that time on the sidelines. He's done his rehab. Klopp said he's fit to start. He starts. Yeah, hopefully be absolutely rocking Anfield as well. And Van Dijk will be back to his usual self after a little trip to Newcastle. Rich, if you want to talk us through your back four and then into the midfield, as I presume it may be a similar one to the lads. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of blew me cover right at the start, didn't I, with regards to Van Dijk? Although not exactly inside the trading, isn't it? I think... Uh, uh, he was always likely to be involved. So, yeah, Van Dijk comes back in. Um, I haven't been overly impressed with Gomez or Matip, but last time out against Everton, I did think Gomez had a particularly good game. and He kept um, you know, he had a fairly inexperienced striker in terms of Ellis Sims to look after, but I thought he did that expertly. And on, on that year, as, only as good as your last game, on that basis, I'll keep him in alongside Van Dijk uh, with Trent at right back and uh, Andy Robertson at left back. Um, going into midfield, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Thought the midfield looked the best that it has um, in quite a while against Everton. So I just don't see any need to make any changes there. Stick with uh, Badgesic, Fabinho and Henderson. Dolly, what about your midfield? Klopp was asked today whether he's going to rest Badgesic or not. I mean, you've got to keep playing the young lad, haven't you? Surely. Yeah, yeah there's no point resting him. However, it is a big game next week. Fabinho and Henderson... I know they've been rested, but you don't want to run the rest too much. You've got quite a lot of midfielders there, so you may as well play another one. And uh, I'd probably play Kate instead of Henderson. Theo, how about yourself? Are you going to make any changes in the midfield? And if so, talk us through and then also go on to your attack afterwards. Um, I think I'm going to go an unchanged midfield uh, and agree with Rich. Um, I think the fact that Jones and Oxlade Chamberlain didn't make the squad probably suggests that. Uh, we know their places in the pecking order. Same for Artemelo. So while there are 11 midfielders to choose from, it's really five or six that we think have got starting claims. And I don't see any reason to change it. Naby is probably the first one who could come in. But Henderson against Newcastle, he's a Sunderland boy. He's going to be well up for that and want to uh, dampen their party spirits. And Bessetic, she hasn't done anything wrong. Fabinho, he plays the best game he's played in months. You want to stick with him, build on it. You don't want to uh, anything, do anything to deflate his uh, bubble. And then the front three is probably the same as well. Nunes on the left, Gakpo down the middle and Salah on the right. There have been a few questions asked. You look at that and go, why have they put the winger down the middle and why have they put the striker on the left? But we're starting to see glimpses now against Everton. Gakpo dropping deep. It was Firmino-esque-ish. Nunes' pace, electric on the left. We saw that, how he set up the first goal. It was reminiscent to Salah, Mane and Firmino from their peak years. So hopefully this could be the start of a, a new trio between them. And again, it's a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, Rich, it was, you know, strange. I raised my eyebrows certainly when I saw that Nersby down the left gap to the middle. I, for one, thought it would make sense the other way around. But they're really forming a nice little partnership, aren't they, on that left side of the pitch? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I probably would have said the same. I was expecting Nunes to become sort of the focal point of this attack. Uh, with, with his physicality, it, it hasn't been that way. Um, I do think he'll stick with the same front three of um, Salah, Gapko and Nunes in the, in the same configuration. However, I've got my doubts of that this is going to be the long-term front three with Jota and Firmino 
sniffing around now and, and, and ready to come in. And of course, if things don't go well against Newcastle in the first half, we'll, we'll, there's, there's a likelihood we'll, we'll see some amends there. But um, better from Gabgo on, on, on Monday. Um, you know, we got his goal. It's just a tapping, isn't it? But straight after that, you can see his confidence was right up and he, and he, and he looked more like the player. Uh, Liverpool supporters thought they were getting him, and that's that's a good sign. Uh, and with Nunes as well, uh, I was just so pleased with that first goal on uh, Monday that when he picked that ball up, he didn't like just try and play a ball inside. He did play to his strengths and and you know get a gallop on and get and get up the pitch. And and by putting that work in and, and, and believing in what he's good at, he's ended up helping Liverpool get a goal, hasn't he? In which uh, uh, Salah was certainly due one. So yeah, same same attacking trio, but uh, I, I'm yet to be convinced that's how it's going to be long term. Yeah, I think Nunes definitely needs a goal as well. I mean, Salah and Gakpo both needed a goal to use the phrase, and they got them. Hopefully, Nunes can notch one this weekend. Dolly, just to run us off then with your attack, is there any case do you think for starting Roberto Firmino or Diego Jota, or are you sticking with the unchanged three? We can't play Jota. He looked tired after about five minutes when he came on the other night. Um, <clears throat> Firmino. Interesting one because I think if anything does change, it could be him coming in to start. But no, I think it'll be the same three. Well, lovely stuff. Let's do our score predictions for the game then. Dolly, I'll stick with you. How do you think this one's going to go for Liverpool? Um, it seems every week I say 1 1. Um, so I'll say 1 1. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to go 1-0 Liverpool. Last time Doyle and I were at Newcastle, it was a, a nitty-gritty 1-0 victory, but that was actually the last game before Liverpool went on that horrible run of conceding sloppy early goals and conceding first all the time. So hopefully uh, a trip back to Newcastle can get rid of those demons once for all. They'll get a clean sheet, get a morale-boosting victory, and the, the race for top four starts here. Will you be out in the town for you on the vodka trebs in Newcastle? Um, no, we're doing it on the day. Me and Doyle are coming back tomorrow. Yeah, we're night. coming straight back. We're professional. Oh. Some of us are working on Sunday. Are you working on Sunday? I'm not Doyle, no. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> are you working tomorrow? I'm working tomorrow, yeah. Of course I'm. Yeah. Okay, fine, good. That's okay then. Rich, sorry to leave you out there. Your score prediction? <laughs> well, more importantly, is the nightlife in Newcastle. I once went on the Tuxedo Royale, which uh, is like a, a, a nightclub on a boat. Yeah. yeah. I think overhead it's not there anymore. So we're talking sort of like early 2000s that have been on this. And I remember going on it. And it, all I can remember, bear in mind, I had been out all day and had been over enjoying myself. Um, the place stank as sick. Uh, and there weren't many people on it. I remember going, that Tuxedo Royale was rubbish. And then about a week later, I found my ticket for it in a, a jeans pocket at the bottom of the washing basket. And I'd gone in there at quarter to eight. So <laughs> the reason there was no one in there is probably because I was probably the first person in there. So um, yeah, that shows you. Uh, so why did why did it smell of sick then? What <laughs> people be uh, doing? Well, did they not clean it? <laughs> uh, well, maybe not. This isn't the love boat team, you know. What I, I mean? know, it, but come on, there are certain standards, you know. Was probably you can accept that night, smell, yeah, Friday on. night. Yeah, yeah, it stank of sick. Either that or the smell of sick was following me around from uh, <laughs> uh, there. I don't know. I don't know. Less, less said about that, the better, I think. But uh, I've a little insight, into, but... little insight into your younger life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, younger. Yes, thank you. Ian. Yeah. Okay. Um, look, I've been saying one ones and nil nils uh, for the last few weeks. Um, I, I, I like the the little change in midfield with both Fabinho and Bassett, just Even though I've slated Fabinho recently just looked better with Bazicic in there alongside them. And that has given me a straw of hope 
for a bit more solidity. As we've been keen on cliches today, I think the first goal will be absolutely crucial. I'm hoping Liverpool to get it. And uh, although I'm expecting Newcastle to come out fast, but I'm going to go with a, a rare Liverpool 2-1 away win. Yeah, let's hope for that. I'm going to be confident and go for a 2-0 Liverpool where Newcastle have got a few suspensions and injuries like Joe Willock and Callum Wilson. Hopefully Liverpool can get that result. But what a lovely way to end off the podcast. We've discussed chess, we've discussed northeastern geography debates and a boat full of sick. What a lovely way to end the show. Look <laughs> forward to Liverpool against Newcastle. We should just not never talk about football. The football's boring. This is the, the other bits are far more interesting. It's the real Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, everyone, if you want to see more of the same of this, make sure you subscribe to the Blood Red channel on YouTube and whichever platform you get your podcasts from. We bring you daily podcasts as well as various other video contents, as well as checking out the guys' articles on the Liverpool Echo site and social channels. Make sure you follow and subscribe on there, everyone. But for now, from myself, Patrick Smith, Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and Rich Garnett, thank you so much for joining us on the Blood Red podcast. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.